Hello and welcome to Reload Podcast. This is episode 44, Connor. It is indeed. Yeah, better introduce himself before we do something yeah, like that. Maybe I yeah. try that again. <laughs> we just keep at it. <laughs> hello, hello, and welcome to the Reload Podcast. This is episode 44. I'm your host, Nigel Lamont, and joined with me, as usual, is Lee Maxwell and Connor McCann. So this week we are going to do two interviews, Connor. Yeah, we're on we're on tour. Yeah, which we're is great. We're out and about. Yeah, we're getting sunshine, vitamin D. Standing yeah. in the field. Standing in the field with <laughs> the bags. Sort of. We're uh, down County Longford for a show. St. Mel's College. We're at old school, new school um, show. So it's down right in the centre of Ireland, more or less. It is indeed, yes. Um, just looking around here, surrounded by quite a lot of different stuff. that We don't tend to really get as much Jap stuff in the north. I know there is a Japanese-based show, but there's a lot of stuff here is heavily... Oh, the stuff here I've never seen before. I Looking ever? at it going, I don't even know what that is. I have to go and look at the back to see what the badge says. Yeah, that's some weird and wonderful 70s and 80s Datsuns, which is quite cool. Yeah. I was just saying to Nile earlier on that that's one of the favourite things that come down to this show is the old school. I have a soft spot for older sort of 70s, 80s. Oh, I mean, they've met their brief old school, new school. I mean, there's stuff. Yeah. 70s Mustang sitting beside a... ST Fiesta, uh, well, you know, there's E46 M3 there, literally beside it. Yeah. 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 And there's a Mark 1 Jetta. That's a nice Jetta there, is it? Oh, thanks. Yeah. That's beside a <laughs> 200 oh, SX. Uh, there's several R32 and R34 Four and threes, Four. yeah. GTRs, twin cams, Supras, Soars, Chasers. EK yeah. Civics. There's a Lamborghini Diablo sitting at the front of the school. I haven't seen school. that. Um, I've, I don't think 911. I've ever seen one in real life before. Is it, what's the 911? Is it a 996 slant loose? That is a 996, yeah. That's yeah. that's the Coleman boys. They built that there with the Pandem, Pandem kit on it. Yeah, they so basically bought their Pandem collection of cars with of them. Of course. What, yeah. what else collection would you have? Yeah. I've, not, I've actually walked past that. I haven't looked around the cars yet. I've basically walked around one bit, got my lunch, and we're recording here now. Excellent. But, so uh, what's the plan for the episode then? Yeah, this episode we're going to be talking to the show organiser of Old School and New School, Niall Garley, just chat him a bit about uh, the show itself and a bit of history of himself with cars and stuff like that. And then you're going to chat later on to Nick Berry, isn't yes, it? Yes, Nick Berry from Open Air Imports. So, you've, well, anybody who's listened to this past few episodes, a lot of what we've been talking about is auctions. Lee, you'd say that, um, the crazy prices stuff. Yeah. And a lot of that is driven by what we've talked about was the 25-year rule which is how stuff gets into America that wasn't originally allowed into it. And I thought no better to talk to than Nick, who's actually importing stuff into America in boatloads, literal boatloads, I should say. And what what makes and models, or what's he... Um, predominantly Volkswagen-based or German-based, but he will take in anything. Um, he's, he's like ourselves, Volkswagen background, but is important everything. He's not limiting himself to anything. Cool. So it'll be interesting to talk to that. So, so we'll kick it off then. Yep. Here's you and Nell. Okay, folks, so you currently join me at Old School, New School show in Longford town. We're at St. Mel's College, and I'm joined by the very, very busy organiser, show organiser himself, Niall Garrity. Welcome, Niall. Thank you for ha- coming on the podcast and chatting to us. Well, thanks for giving me the opportunity. Yep. Um, it's extremely busy today, but I suppose we go back a long way, so I yep. couldn't miss the opportunity to have a chat with you. Like old furniture, so are Like we've old n- furniture. Yeah. We've known each other probably... Six or seven years, maybe more. Maybe more, maybe yeah. More, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it all started back with you at Dubshed. Dubshed, yeah. Mm. Uh, before we move on to your sort of car history and stuff like that, do you want to just chat a bit about the show now, how it's evolved, where it started, when it started, that sort of thing? Yeah, it's a very good story, actually. Um, so it started off when I bought my green Jetta. 
um, it wasn't very appealing and I sort of started to do a couple of bits with it and then I realised dub shed and I sort of I started building to dub shed and of course um, we done all our shows and stuff like that or the dub shed and we done Fitted UK and all them sort of things with the Jetta and the Jetta actually led me to today the old school new school um, car show so Midlands of Ireland no car shows yeah. nothing so um I was always travelling up to you and I was like, it's time to get the Dubshed lads and the GTNI guys, get them down into the Midlands. I think at the time, the only real show down south, Volkswagen-wise anyway, was probably the Cork show. Yes, and you had Midlands VW as well. Aye, yeah. it just sort of, it was in those early days then too, It was in the early days too, yeah. Um, look, these shows, you know yourself, with Dubshed and all your events, it is a big undertaking and it takes... It takes a lot of effort, you know, and, and to stick with it as well. You know, yeah. you may have some ups, you may have some downs, but you you need to you power have to be, through. You have to be committed. <laughs> you have to be you have to be committed. So that leads us here to old school, new school. Um, I've been on these grounds all my life and uh, I worked here as a young lad. And the story behind the school is my grandfather was the caretaker of this school for 43 years. And when he passed away, sadly, my dad took over, so mm-hmm. it stayed in the family. And... Uh, we know this place inside out and we know the owners and uh, we were so happy when they says we can go ahead and do our show here um, P- particularly difficult down south there seems to be a, a bad name for car enthusiasts down south more so than the north so I think just talking to guys that organise shows down here it seems to be harder to get permission with you know having events yes um, the first year we had to tr- jump through a yeah. lot of loopholes um, we ran it very very good and fair play to all the people that's here helping me um, once we ran the first year the guards or police here local councils once they've seen how well we ran it the first year absolutely yeah. no issues after that because they know we put on a good show and in fairness to all the guys that's here in attendance and yourselves and everybody has manners and that's yeah. what we're all about we're not into this back roads uh, yeah. donuts and stuff like that so we're not into that um, I suppose just uh, touch on uh, the name of the show old school new school um, you just on the grounds here you notice when you come into our premises you have the old school and then you have a new school here so then we tied it into old schools cars and new school cars yeah. so it all tied in very well with the venue you know and that's where old school new school came out and I don't think we can go to any other grounds now. Yeah. Unless it has an old school or a new school. You'll have to get a, a very special place that'll be like that. That's it, yeah. Uh, the early years, I think I remember you inviting us down to, was it Lock Lock Stance. Lock Stance, that's what it was. Yes. Was that the sort of dipping your toes in, sort of, before you yes. moved to here, sort of? Exactly. We'd done Lock Stance. That was a, uh, you know yourself, it was very cool down there. But um, we'd done no harm that day, but the, just the the grounds they didn't, didn't really want yeah. us there so but it worked out very well and we said we're on to something here so that's when we moved up to old school new school then and here we are today you know yeah cool. <laughs> um so today roughly how many cars do you think you have in in, in the show we have over 300 cars here um in the times it's in it it's absolutely unbelievable and uh, you see yourself here there's everything yeah. here everything from jap euro old school new school Jeep. name of the show really <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and even people have come in and like old Pajero jeeps that have been reconditioned and buggies and like uh, go-karts just everything because I think when you come to a show variety you need variety you need variety variety yeah so uh, every, we have it. different people like different things so yes. it's good to have we like to care for everybody you know um, uh, I particularly like come to this show because of the old job stuff 
I'm yes. a big fan of old job stuff and it always blows my mind some of the older stuff I don't see a lot of the older job stuff up north um, but this show like there's RX-7 there's old there's a, I think there's a Kai uh, there's a Kai truck here Kai truck here yeah there's an old Corolla an old Daihatsu a 1970 Daihatsu I don't know what it is mm. the white one around the corner yes yeah don't know what that is yeah. and then there's a load of old chasers and all sorts it's, of stuff like that there it's a mix of everything yeah. great to see stuff like that because in my normal sort of thing I don't, I don't see a lot of that there so yeah exactly it is very big down the south but the biggest thing on the south is you have to put on a show and you like we have the weather today um, but it's just getting the lads out like a lot of the yeah. cars you see them they are pristine and it's once you have the weather on our side which we have today that's why we have they're happy them. enough yeah they check happy. the forecast as they leave yeah exactly <laughs> it was a very wet week and I was very worried and I had some uh, yesterday cars yesterday was very wet with yes. us and, yeah. I had some cars dropping out and I think people were sort of expecting rain yeah. Um, I could tell you know when a car drops out they're watching the weather you know but yeah. thankfully it's bone dry here and we're here in our t-shirts yeah it's too warm I have to take my coat off and everything <laughs> um, no it's a really really great venue very very picturesque I think it was, yeah. you call it yeah real heritage site and all the rest of it mm. um, so what, what's your sort of I don't want to pull you out here but what's your favourite car here today well that's very hard um, I have I suppose you shouldn't say anything because you're going to pick the, pr- the prize winners in the best. <laughs> well, that's it. Like, um, we, we we do open out our range. Uh, we have a top 10 modified yeah. and we do a top 5 classic and we do a car to show. So we had to open it up because you know yourself, we have lots of old stuff here and we like to give, like there's, there's older men here and it's nice to give them yeah. something with their, their old car. So we have opened it out a bit. Nigel, I, uh, I can't even call it at this minute. You've complete brain fog after organising this. <laughs> yes, yeah. Like we have a Lamborghini Diablo out the yeah. front. We've got a 2020 uh, Corvette C20. It's the only one in Ireland. Um, the guy told me the, the loops he had to get it here, but uh, he'd done a lot of work together. So he is doing, like, that's a thing you don't yeah. see, you know. Uh, cool. So it's tough. It's tough. And you know yourself from your own events, Dubshed GTI. It's hard. Yeah, I just. I was just talking to you earlier on before I brought you on. The the hours you've done this week has been crazy, you were saying? Yeah. Just so people understand that this just doesn't happen by mistake. No, it doesn't. Accident. Well, to be honest with you, it has been months of organization yeah. in the background, websites, message people, enter car entries. All our car entries are logged. We have to make sure the cars are up to standard to get in here. And then, unfortunately, spectator tickets this year as well. That's more hassle. Um, I started here Tuesday evening. I worked Tuesday evening. I worked Wednesday evening. I done 12 hours Thursday, 12 hours Friday, 12 hours Saturday. And it's probably going to be 13 or 14 hours here today as well. Yeah. It's getting tough now. Um, yeah, just just sort of let people know that these events just don't happen. No. There's hard work goes into them. And I think down the south as well, um, public liability insurance is a lot more expensive yeah. than up the north. I think we talked about this before yeah. ourselves, but... I think you have it a little bit easier. There's a lot more into it down here. But we are raising a lot of money for charity. We've raised €33,000 in Amazing. in the time we've done Old School New School. And we're going again this year as well. Good. So um, when you're working with charity, you know, everybody works with you yeah. then. You know what I mean? And it's good to give back as well, you know. Um, we do it with local charities. So a different charity every year. We move it around. Yeah. We try to do... So who's sorry, your charity this year? Um, yes, uh, Keyens Kennels. Um, so basically, unfortunately, in 2019, we raised 15,000 euros um, for Kia Neri, who was diagnosed with lymphoma. And we raised the money because we were very, very sick. And we knew the family and we just came to them. We said, can we do that? And we raised 15,000 euros. And sadly, a month later, he passed away. 
So they're back now. Kean had a dog called Cooper, a Labrador, and he loved the dog. And when he was in hospital, he really wanted to see the dog. And the parents had to do so much work behind the scenes to try and get the dog into the hospital. Mm-hmm. So their plan going forward now, Kean's kennels, they're going to have kennels at uh, the Crumlin's Children's Hospital. Very good. So if your child is ever sick and they have a dog that they love, the dog will be at the hospital with the child. Bit of comfort. Yeah, and, and the family will still tell you to this day, Kean, when he was so, so sick and so sore and everything, when the dog came in, it lifted him. And that's why they're doing that. So I says, I have to come back to them and help them, you know, fulfill their dream. Like, yeah. you know, so. Also, another one then, um, we have a pink twin cam on a podium. And uh, it was belonged to Dara, um, lads that I drift with, which we'll talk about. But uh, unfortunately, uh, Dara was diagnosed with cancer while he was building the car. And uh, unfortunately, his time ran out and he didn't get to finish the car. His friends got together. They built the car, they finished the car for him, and they're continuously raising money for um, cancer research and stuff like that. So I I reached out to the lads and I was like, I really, I really admire what you're doing and I want to help you out. So we were going to give these guys a donation as well. So try and help out as many people as we can, you know. Good stuff, good stuff. (laughs) Um, So... Is there an online donation you can do or anything like that there? No, it's just on the day it's, here? It's the proceeds, what we take From in on the gate. Right. Yeah. Okay. So basically what we do, Nigel, is we cover our event costs. Yeah. We keep enough money to run our oh, show yeah. and progress our show yeah. a little bit. And then whatever we have left in, we'll go to the yeah. charity. Yeah. Um, this year being special because of COVID, last year we'll have the cancel events and all the rest mm. of it. Was it a complete nightmare or the regulations easing time a bit more for you? or For last year or this year? This year, sorry. This year's a little bit better. Yeah, it's opening up now. Um, just tip back to last year, like we ran a very small event, yeah. but I wanted to look after our, let's say, loyal people that, you know, so we had a small event and it was lovely, like, and there was no stress or anything. I didn't know? make it last year. Were you allowed spectators last um, year? No, we no. weren't allowed spectators. Just a, yeah. It was just get the lads out in the cars because it has yeah. been a long time. So my aim was to get the lads out in the cars, get them out for a day. And it was brilliant, like very small numbers. And it was just great. Just this chilled. Year, you just chilled, yeah. This year now, it's opening up a little <laughs> bit, a small bit. Um, but it's great to see everybody back. Yeah. And even with COVID, everybody is, you know, they're very understanding and stuff like that. Now we had a couple, but you have that with every event. But everybody's so understanding here and it's working brilliantly. Good. So it takes the pressure off me a little yeah, bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'll just go back then. I'll hit the rewind button. Yes, to, yeah, we're jumping, yeah. Let's go back to the Jetta. You're well known for your Jetta before you've moved on now to drifting. Mm. Um, so... You built basically the first three-door Mark V Jetta. Yes, yeah. In the world? In the world, yeah. yeah. In the world. So just briefly, give us a quick rundown of that car. And yeah, so as I touched on earlier on, um, I says when I started out with my green Jetta, curbed VMRs, pro sport coilovers, you know, black roof, black mirrors, black everything. Yeah. So I was like, no, I need to do something like this. And I was admiring what you were doing with Dubshed, and I was like, oh, I have to start... So I think you can remember back when uh, I first done the jet, I bagged it and I set VSP wheels on it, Edition 30 interior, or 32 front on it. You were always changing stuff on it. Yeah, always. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And th- that was the first show. And then later on the year, I went over and I bought a set of brand new rotor, two-piece rotor forms. And uh, like the car was still unbelievable. But what I always admired was, um, I have there is a couple of in Ireland, you might name them now, but they had the Mark IV, three-door Mark IVs. Martin McConnell in uh, in Donegal or that? Yes. He was building a Mark for right. three door, and I was like, "Is this possible that we can do a Mark Five three door?" Yeah. Some say not, but 
we done it um, well, I have to say a shout out to Simon Riley Crash Repairs very good friend of mine but the only crazy man that would be that took it on um, like a challenge yeah there was um, 15k in bodywork alone <laughs> in bodywork alone that beats yes and uh, of course when you, you're, you're taking you, you're going four door to three door your whole interior had to be redone again yeah um, like we were using like I think there was Mark 5 three door Golf GTI quarter panels in it and then you door cards inside it was just insane you've seen it yeah. it was insane like you know and I don't work to see I don't I won and fitted you, you don't you don't fit it you've done so many shows in England because I think we met a few times in England yeah we did yeah good or bad, <laughs> good or bad. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't imagine any nightclubs no no they wouldn't, we wouldn't do anything like that no um but uh, no, you you certainly took it to the shows, and as you said, you took it to Worthersea. You drove it all the way to Worthersea. I think you went with uh, Niall Farn and Niall Farn and Aaron McMahon. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was three thousand mile round trip, and I was only after putting the hybrid. But you're glad it's TDA. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was only after putting the hybrid turbo on it and yeah. mapping it and stuff like that. So I was running big horsepower through like a 105 diesel engine and I crossing just, your fingers yeah I just went for it like you know um, but it was an opportunity of a lifetime yeah. and I suppose Nigel like you know I've sold it but I've done so much with it and achieved so much with it yeah I, th- I think that's the thing when you do build a car and you just keep going and working and working and you get to a certain point where you go right what am I going to do now yeah you yeah. know I've done all I wanted to do with it so time yeah, to like, move on like those over 30 540k yeah. in that car I lost a lot of money but I don't care about the money because I've met you I've met every, like the people I met and yeah. the times we had and even when I went to work to see people hadn't much English but like the respect I got and that's yeah. no money will ever buy that so I was like look I've enjoyed it I've done my time and it was then moving on to where we're yeah. going into so the drifting yeah. yeah sold the car Yeah, but in the background you bought a compact Oh, I had an E36 uh, coupe. Yeah. I bought that actually when I still had the jet. You wanted to dip your toes in the drifting? I wanted to dip my. I actually. You, you dived ro- right in then? <laughs> I did, yeah. It went from 0 to 100 very quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I dipped my toes in it. I dipped my toes in it many years ago and I didn't. Engine went and I was just like, oh, I can't do this. And then I got the E36. It was only a two litre engine and I went to Mandela with minimal modifications and no cage, no nothing, just a hydraulic handbrake, weld the diff, see how I go. Just started to get into it and started, I'm not going to brag, but I started to get the hang of it and I yeah. started to get good and I was like, I can go places. So now I built that car well up. I built it up into like a Pro 2 spec car. Um, I put a 2.5 engine in it and I just outdrove it. I couldn't yeah. drive it any harder and I was like, I have to go again. Up the level. Up the level. And then I actually went up the north and I bought Harry Kerr's BMW M3 Harry Kerr, what a peddler, like 16 years of age, and it, that was a championship winning car. I was like, That's ha- for me. I have to, yeah, <laughs> I, I have to be, I'm gonna, like, I, I have a lot have to live up to a lot. But, um, yeah, got the M3, but then with the COVID and stuff, I didn't just get a good run on yeah. it. Um, we done the first round of the Irish Drift Series, first time in a championship, uh, qualified pretty well, got into the top 32. Ran my top 32, went to one more time, up again like a 600 brake horsepower at Nissan Skyline, and me with 300 horsepower. Yeah. So I was like, okay, we're, we're definitely on to something. And unfortunately, COVID came, and the Irish Drift Series went out the window. Then BDC, I got a, an invite to BDC, and I was like... That was Teesside? Teesside. Teesside, yeah. Got an invite to BDC, and then 
I said to my wife Claire I was like I have to do this yeah. you know and in fairness she's so supportive she's like do what you have to do they actually streamed that live the whole weekend for free and I was watching it yeah. when I could there seemed to be a heavy Irish contingent at that event there was yeah, yeah there was and uh, a little bit I think they're, when we go to England like they're a little bit intimidated Irish drivers because we have such a name for ourselves but I, well, I w- why wouldn't you look at the drivers we have come yeah. from this country Dean yeah. you know Dean Connor Shannon Connor, Jack yeah. Shanahan Dwayne McKeever Kevin Quinn yeah Serious, but drivers like, like my highlight for Goodwood this year was Kevin Quinn coming into the wall, and his limiter is ridiculous. <laughs> Did Bradley build that engine? Uh, no, no, he built himself. That engine, no, that engine was built by DY Engine Services right. in England, and it revs to eleven thousand RPM. <laughs> like it's, it's it's a motorbike engine. <laughs> it's a motorbike engine. It's crazy, um, but yeah, that's like them boys have. In fairness to them, they have put Ireland on the map yeah. for drifting. Rallying has just became. At just a completely crazy level of entry. Yes. And rally used to be a big thing back in the day. I'm not saying it was achievable, but, you know, a hard-working man could maybe get into entry level. Yeah. That's disappearing now, and I think drifting is that gateway into it is, a bit of driving. But to be honest with you, Nigel, drifting is getting there now. Yeah. It's coming up to yeah. the level of rallying. Like, massive. Like, some of them engines, you wouldn't see 15, 20 grand in them. Yeah. Do you know, like, and that's where it's getting to. And, like, I have 340 horsepower in my BMW. I went to England and opened my eyes a little bit. Um, went out in a grid of 60 drivers and uh, on my first run qualified third like absolutely just <laughs> I threw it in on a wall and I grazed the wall but the adrenaline when when you're yeah. in a drift car is next level like the lad says to me how did you do that how did you throw the car and rub the bumper off the back wall I said lads I have no clue wing it <laughs> yeah but like it's, trust your machine yeah and I think we do practice like you always see there's a day's practice and over the day's practice it's muscle memory it's muscle memory like lads have said to me did you change down a gear there I was like I can't remember but yeah. it's just you're in such you a zone it. yeah you just yeah. feel it it's, it's muscle memory um, qualified third there and because uh, I qualified so high I think when I went for the second bracket I dropped down I think it was 15th or 16th so it left me sort of mid-pack in the top 32 but then came up again a lad 650 brake horsepower uh, Nissan S15 Samsung sequential gearbox, built SR20, just crazy. You know, semi-slick tires. I don't run a semi-slick tire mm-hmm. on a road tire to keep the cost down. And just, bye-bye. Uh, yeah. Power just waved by. Power maybe. waved by. So as you touched on the rally in there, the drifting. Uh, it's starting uh, to get expensive. It's starting to get expensive, yeah. I think there's a YouTube channel. I think it's Lone Star Drifting in Texas. And yes. He's very anti-D1 because the costs are getting... So he run. I think he runs his own... Uh, drift series now is it cheaper to get into or something yes. like that there yeah so as you say costs are going up you know yeah like like I come home from England and I was like where can I buy a turbo where can I buy a turbo can I buy a link ECU can I do this can I do that and I was like but like you know yourself once you get into an engine oh you could you put 10 grand it like you know so I think as you say a competition that had to be sort of like a, let's say a 300 horsepower competition you would have so much yeah. fun you'd have door and door action very exciting stuff like that but look we'll go in and we'll just drive the car as hard as we can in the next one and perhaps moving forward drift series should maybe think of categories maybe yes now in fairness to the, the Irish drift series they do the run, a t- they run a tyre rule yeah so 265 is your widest tyre and the tyre rule is fairly good like you can die grip into the car even my car is 300 and 40 odd horsepower whatever um, you can dial serious grip into them but then it gets to a point where you're on the verge of breakages like yeah. you know so but look I'm happy the way I am and uh, I think I'll just keep it the way it is and don't spend too much more money you know you're, you're uh, happy with the level at the minute um, 
you you'll hold on to that car for a while then you oh, don't see you ever oh no 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 like um just after buying a house so i suppose in fairness we bought the house and we just factored in that we can keep the drift car and, yeah. and keep all our bits and pieces and, and live comfortably as well so we're happy we have a roof over our heads and we can keep the car there's no like selling the car it's something you may regret in a year or two yeah. times so i was like let's keep the car we focus on getting our life sorted yeah. let's say and then the car will be there if you want to go for a day and not even a day's drifting it's just it releases a lot of pressure you know what i mean um what what, what events is there left in the year then with covid and everything is yeah, there much going see, on the guys they were trying to run a championship towards the end of the year and unfortunately uh, with numbers they can't justify running the event because right. they can't get the numbers through the gate so i'm going back up your country and we have tully row on tully oval uh, i think the 18th of september might be wrong but definitely doing tully row and kevin quinn and the guys run that it's an amazing event. Uh, Connor and Lee would go up there occasionally. Yes. They love it. So, yeah. um, it's it's an amazing event. Very, very, very scary track. Yeah. Um, Mistake, you're in a big wall. Yes, yeah. I, I actually done it in the 36 that we talked about. And yeah, I clipped the wall. And when your side was and you clipped the wall, it tends to pull the car into the front of the wall. You can do serious damage. Yeah. Uh, We've done a little bit of damage, but not in a forklift and a strap wouldn't. <laughs> Uh, fixed but yeah I'm going to do Tully Rowan like the bank is sort of on a slant and then you're up on the wall so like it's but it's a brilliant event yeah. it's definitely worth going to see you'll have big name drivers there you'll have Kevin Quinn Dwayne McKeever you'll probably have Shannon's there it's an amazing event yeah. and definitely worth going to see yeah um, you've talked about a few drivers and people in drifting yeah. it's plain to see that there's a great community yeah. in the drifting scene like a it, it's unbelievable and um, I just mentioned again uh, Connor Shanahan Jack Shanahan I know the guys very well and when I was in BDC uh, they were over there they're training up a, a young guy uh, Fran Fion- Roach they're training him up but they were there all weekend yeah. for any advice like I could go to Jack O'Connor and say lads what can I do here uh-huh. and they will tell you and it's all about listening you know like they told me what to do drive as hard as you can and that's what I done and things worked out for me so anything like anything breaks i even see like let's say if i broke a drive shaft i didn't have one i could walk just around the paddock i come back with a drive shaft don't worry about it i don't want money get your car going yeah. it's fine like it that's a brilliant community like you know i, I just pick that up watching various uh, i watch a lot of drift channels and drift games etc just adam lz it just seems to be in the drifting community it's just do you need help you know it's it's very very good yes and even let's say I'm driving against you or I come up against you in a battle like or you break something or you break something yep. but like even even other drivers like you're advising them they're advising you like and everybody listens you yeah. know what I mean and everybody works together I suppose at the end of the day it is a competition but we don't really look at it it's yeah. not what would you say very competitive uh, uh, people aren't out for each other it's no yeah. no it's all fun you won well done yeah, yeah exactly and look if I make a mistake and you run into me or I run into you and we damage your cars we get out and we have a bit of a hug and we fix them that's what yeah. they're there for you know what I mean so yeah, yeah. happy boy and drifting love it. absolutely love it you'll not be back in the VWs then <laughs> well I suppose uh, we have talked about and uh, the Jetta Coupe for what was it sentimental value if it ever does down the line again down the line again yes I probably will yeah, yeah. and it'll be something that I get back perfected again and just keep it for hopefully when the kids come along the way and stuff that I you know it'd be and even I suppose Nigel in 10-15 years time to bring that to a show 
throwback throwback yeah <laughs> yeah to be like modified motors has come back <laughs> modified motors called they'll take it they want oh, their car back <laughs> yeah um yes thanks thanks i know you have to go here yes. you've got somebody coming yeah um just thanks very much for speaking us now and thanks um, yourself now. it's great to have a chat do you want to mention your socials just if anybody wants to follow what yes, you do and of course well if you want to follow the drifting uh, you can find me on instagram as nile goes drifting um also on youtube nile goes drifting I, I forgot to mention nile has a youtube channel if you want to follow him there too yeah now uh, last couple of weeks has been a little bit but yeah like all things drifting building drift cars rally cars stuff like that and it's cool like you know yeah. i'm no I'm, I'm no youtube sensation but like you know it's good and we have few followers get good few views so that's the youtube uh the instagram now goes drifting and then if you want to follow all school sure. new school yeah um if you search osns.irl instagram or facebook that will get you there so you can follow us there and um, we also have a snapchat osns.irl follow us i didn't go on to the snapchat this weekend a little bit hectic so when you have so many uh, social media platforms gets monotonous yeah exactly <laughs> like if people contact through my instagram my facebook my snapchat yeah the show is snapchat the show is instagram show it, it's just too much so i just yeah. i took a step back i try and relax and enjoy the whole thing Nigel. Yeah. you know yeah that's the main thing yeah if you ain't having fun what's what's the point exactly you know? yeah yeah exactly right thank you very much now thanks and, for and us. thanks yourself i'm okay. sure we'll talk very soon yep cool this episode is brought to you by Reload Global. Reload Global are an enthusiast-owned company providing with not only premium automotive apparel, but accessories such as garage banners, posters, stickers and air fresheners. They're Northern Ireland-based, are an official stockist for 8380 Labs in the UK and Europe. They're currently having a sale with huge price drops across different items in the range, with some t-shirts down as low as £18, so head over to reload.global to pick up a bargain. Before we move on, I'd like to take a moment to talk about our sponsor, Studio 10 Bespoke Car Care. Studio 10 are a car care business located in Ballymena, Northern Ireland. Robin specialises in vehicle detailing, paintwork correction and ceramic coatings. Studio 10 are the only Mavinci approved detailer based in Northern Ireland and are proud to have many years experience in the automotive industry. Studio 10 also offer an online training programme, Foundation Pro. This training programme is designed for those who want to improve their current skill set whether that be to detail their own vehicle to a much higher level or if they're considering starting their own valuing business. The course also features many other benefits such as discount codes for various detailing companies and much more. To view all their detailing packages, training courses and obtain details on all the services they provide, visit the website at studio10car.care or simply Google Studio 10. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram at Studio 10 Detailing. They're also running an exclusive offer for Reload Podcast listeners. When selecting the Foundation Pro course, use the code RELOADPODCAST at the checkout to get £100 off your purchase. We're sitting down with Nick Berry, and I use the term sitting down loosely, kind of because there's about 4,000 miles between us, and that's about as close as we can actually get at the moment, much to my demise, wanting into the US. But we have mentioned before the 25-year rule the price of cars imports skyrocketing simply because they're all a lot of them are going to America. So I thought with what Nick does, and he'll explain shortly, we could get an inside view from the inside of that industry. So Nick, can you tell us a bit about your company, who you are, what you do? Yeah. So Connor, thanks for having me, man. Um, Not a problem. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, of course. Um, always happy to hang out and catch up and talk. Um, so I own uh, Open Air Imports. We're based here in uh, Charlottesville, Virginia on the east coast in the u.s but yeah um kind of started this up a couple years ago just importing my own car and 
turned around and resold it and got into bringing more and more in and figured like, hey, this could actually turn into something real and help get a lot of these cool cars that we didn't get in the U.S. and also get right-hand drive cars here. So there's, you know, obviously several things and questions I get asked and one's like, well, why do you guys want right-hand drive cars? And it's just, just because, like, yeah, why do you be want different. a turbo on your car? Why do you want a turbo on your car to go faster? Just, just because, like, you just want that to be different and also just the fun aspect of it. So to import, you know, a vehicle to the U.S., it has to be 25 years old. Um, that stems from the production date or production month depending on the vehicle's manufacturer. Okay. So JD, JDM cars, they don't actually have like a birth date. They have just like a birth month All of right, when right. the vehicle was produced. So typically like a lot of, I'll say a lot of JDM importers, like they have their vessels and shipments time for basically like, you know, for September's vehicles, like they're going to land that first week of September. So they have the cars here right now. Ah, that's interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. So like they're able to play that game where, you know, we have to be really diligent on double and cross checking the physical production date of say like a Mark three, where the newest vehicle that we can import to the U S is up to a 1996 to today's date. Um, and we, you know, we can get a little logistical with it and dial in like, okay, cool. If the vessel is leaving on this date, we can time it with its production date. So it lands before it's, cleared and eligible uh -huh. um so there's there's some cool ways to kind of work it that way so you, so we can get the car here sooner for you know the client or for us but yeah um there's been just that massive influx of mark threes you know as as i mentioned like becoming cool for the enthusiasts like people are wanting them again and there are fairly few that are really good clean um the, you know, just prime examples they get to bring over for enthusiasts or for our, our clients, which I do think obviously like it's caused, you know, the, the market to increase, um, you know, between, I think specifically the UK, um, Europe, depending on the, the country, like it's the cars tend to cost more, or they cost less. It just, you know, it just depends on the seller and the car. Yeah, it definitely has had an, uh, an effect on the market. And there's a few like Facebook groups or even WhatsApp groups and stuff that I'm in and people saying, you know, I have this for sale. What's it worth? And then your mm -hmm. name will crop up and someone like, oh, Nick Barry will take that right away. And I'm like, oh, no, there's another one gone. So yeah, I thought it would be nice to have you on and we can vilify you a bit. You're causing the price rises. <laughs> yeah, you guys are welcome. By <laughs> Thanks. The way. Uh, I mean, it is it is a tricky line, though. You know, my my UK partner, Nick Wright at Wright's Restoration, him and I talk about this weekly. It's a really nice position I've been able to kind of leverage myself into where people offer us cars. I mean, every day. You've got the name for it? Yeah. I mean, I mean I've got the in for it, which is great. Um, you know, we love getting people saying, hey, I want to sell my Mark III. Like, I don't want it to go to someone here or someone that's going to break it. Because that, unfortunately, is the big thing is, you know, the car in, in the UK, typically it's more valuable in parts yeah, than that's it is true. As, as a whole. And for us, like, the car is valuable as a whole if it's clean. You know, if it's rusty, like, we, 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 we don't want it. We can't afford to invest that much money and time into, you know, cleaning it up, sorting those items out, shipping it over to the U.S. and you know, typically those export import costs alone is as much as the car, if not more. Um, and I think that's really where 
a lot of the price hike is coming from because people abroad are seeing what a you know a five door Mark III VR6 sells for. You know, they sell anywhere between like seven and twelve thousand USD. Yeah, but that's all in landed to the US. That's UK transport. If there's been storage, full service, detail, delivery to port. Um, the export, the import, port of destination it's going to, like the inland side, tag title registration. Like there is so much, there's so much money that goes into it that I think that's been a lot of the disconnect. And yeah, I don't know if you, you if you haven't noticed, like I've taken a small step back of just buying a bunch of cars because the price increase is now where it's like I could buy four cars is now like, okay, I can buy three good ones. Yeah. Um, and that's just that's just the reality of it. I mean, it's great that other enthusiasts are seeing like, hey, my car is now worth a little more, which is true. I mean, it's definitely worth more if it's a good, clean, prime example, and it's USA eligible, dude. Send it to me. Yeah. I mean, we will we'll dial it in. I'll make it super easy for you to sell your car. Um, we'll find a great buyer and home for it here. Um, and I mean, also not to villainize me too much on that, but like. Dude, we also resell cars back to people in the UK and in Europe. Like I've currently got a 1998 uh, Volkswagen Golf Estate that we had bought. It's got AC too. Uh-huh. Um, but like we bought it because we we're like, okay, like we needed uh, we needed the same TDI engine for another vehicle, and we thought this one was like it was affordable, and we thought like, hey, this could be a good donor, and then part it, you know, part it out and break it and cut it up for a right-hand drive clip if someone wants it. And the car's too clean to do that. Uh-huh. So like, we're like trying to get that back in the hands of another enthusiast. So if anyone's looking, drop me a message about it. Um, it's not eligible for several years for U.S. import. So maybe in a couple of years, you can sell it back if you still have it. So um, just on that point, you're saying you've removed the engine. What way does that work then if you are importing that? You know, does does that still count as a full car or, uh, you know, how do they deem emissions on it without an engine? I know obviously you're sending yeah. it back this way. So, well, so we were going to pull it for the engine. I mean, we decided not to. Oh, right, um, yeah. So like, it, yeah, it's still like one whole piece. Like, I guess when it it had its nice hot spurt, like my UK partner loved having air conditioning. <laughs> yeah, I would say so, yeah. Um, it's nice for three days but, of the year. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so for us to, you know, to, for us to typically, I'll say typically import a car, um, we'll bring it in via Roro. So roll on, roll off. So the vehicle must run and drive without issue. If, you know, it's a, I'll say if it's a more expensive car or something special, or it doesn't have an engine and it doesn't run and drive, um, we can ship it via container. Container costs, however, since you know COVID started and lockdowns and everything, dude, container costs have gone through the roof. It's almost not worth shipping a car via container no. right now, just because of that. As we talked about before, I'd said to you about a few years back, I had actually planned to ship my car across for a, on a temporary visa, and yeah. that was the option was roll on, roll off, or container. And even like two or three years ago, before COVID hit, the container cost was like maybe two and a half times the price, and I was like, hmm, no, wow. no thanks. But now with a container shortage, yeah, that's going to be a ridiculous option. Yeah, it's, I mean, the container shortage, well, and that's really been dictated by china they seem to just be holding a lot of the containers mm-hmm. uh, which is causing the shortage they're trying to i think they're just trying to control the supply and demand chain of that oh, of course um, yeah. 
which good on them. I mean, it's a smart move to increase the pricing, but it really sucks if you want to ship something, you know, via container. Yeah. Um, but hopefully that changes in the next coming months. Um, cause we have a, you know, we we're helping with a parts container out of Germany, um, with Christian Smith and one love auto group up in Pennsylvania. So they're going to have a massive stock of, European parts, I mean, all from, you know, Mark 1, Mark 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, body parts, panels, bumpers, Recaros, I mean, you name it. It'll be stateside for enthusiasts to get their hands on. Yeah, because that, that's not something you guys do with open air imports, is it? It's vehicles only with you guys? Yeah, so we only do vehicles. Um, you know, we've, we were lucky to, you know, have Christian offer the container option and we were able to connect, you know, one love auto group into it because they wanted to do euro parts so yeah so oai doesn't really like we don't really dabble on euro parts we do full cars but between that container our uk partner um nick wright um and even you know our partner in belgium ivan either of those can also help with sourcing parts or you know, even now with getting parts together, getting it to Germany to go in the container to come to the U.S., you know, there's there's plenty of options to source, get parts, ship them, move them, or, you know, kind of whatever needs to happen with it. We kind of let our team do their thing on it. Yeah, so if, if not just because you don't do it doesn't mean you'll not know someone who will or can help out with it? That's been, yeah, that's been kind of the thing. I mean, did I get we get messages daily of like, hey, can you help me get this part? Like, hey, man, sorry, we're like, we're not in the parts game but like reach out to our, our uk or euro partner let them know that we sent you so they can you know be sure to help you out yeah and then you know they'll handle it from there um i can imagine yeah, some just, guy wanting like a fucking an indicator for a 6m polo that's worth maybe like five dollars <laughs> but this is the most important thing to him and he's torturing you you know you're trying to import cars i fully understand why you, you probably don't deal in parts yeah it's i mean there's so many different ways to get parts now. I mean, you know, going back to the VW Vortex days where it's like, all right, you had to like scour or like do a want to buy post. And now with like Facebook and social media and this having connections yeah. in real time, you're able to, you know, be linked together with those, those parts or at least get that help a little quicker. And that's, um, you know, I, we've discussed this too with uh, launching our new website is we're, trying to work out the workflow of like, Hey, how can we add in a small marketplace for basically like people in the U S to connect with our UK and our Euro partners to maybe help get parts. Yeah. Um, so bring people together. Yeah. Just kind of bring the community together in just a, a smaller, tighter space and then be able to run it that way. And, you know, also with that, which we're hoping we can launch the website Friday, and then we're going to do a little beta testing. So probably next week sometime, it'll be fully up and running where, you know, you have a client login. So like you'll have access to like your own portal with your vehicle import, vehicle import information, photos to that car. Like you'll have like your own little documents organized as well as like a marketplace tie-in, which will probably be like phase two or three of our site. But just trying to like re-streamline, reorganize it and kind of just make it even easier for our customer base in the US that wants to buy, you know, a Euro spec car. Yeah, you want to try and make the whole transaction as smooth as possible. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just kind of one stop shop it like, hey, here's everything. Like you can even drop them, you know, kind of 
like the bring a trailer. I don't know if you've ever played around with that, but like their cl- their client portal is really cool, where you can have like a chat box going back and forth. Um, so you have a record of conversations, like everything's in one place. You have your photos, videos, vehicle info, like everything. So just trying to you know dial it in, streamline it a little more, as well as I think hopefully like our next phase after this will be because we get offered so many cars from different people to actually have like if you live in Ireland or the UK or Europe and you want to actually sell your car through OAI to someone in the US, we're going to have like a submission process for that. It'll be free for you to list it. You know, obviously we have to approve it, make sure the photos, information all align. But that way too, we can connect, you know, someone abroad to someone in the US a lot tighter, a lot smoother and, you know, mitigate someone being scammed. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the big worry. You know, I mean, you want to be trusting in someone. But I mean, we've like we've paid our UK partner to like go view a specific vehicle and like the car turns out to be not as described. It's a piece of junk. Yeah, um, it's bad enough me driving like 50 miles from here to go and look at something that isn't as described, but to go through the process of importing it 4000 miles away to a different country is a real kick in the balls when it doesn't turn up what you're expecting. Yeah. And just really, you know, again, just trusting someone else halfway across the world to be like, hey, yeah, this is like what the car is. This is the condition of it and everything. And I'm I'm an honest person. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and again, I like to I like to trust everyone. But, you know, we've we've really got to watch it and ask the right questions. And this is why we do the things the way we do. Um, You know, we. Ninety five percent of the time, like even if a client has sourced their own car, like we inspect the vehicle. Yeah. Like we want to make sure that, you know, the vehicle is as described. It's not rotted out. Like you as the buyer know exactly what you're getting. Like, Hey, here's a ding. Here's a dent. Hey, the valve cover is leaking. Um, or if it needs a service before export, like that's something else, you know, our team can handle. So just kind of like trying to make it go as full swing as possible. So someone's getting a well kept car and they're getting, what's you know what's as described yeah i mean that's the big thing so we we do rely heavily on you know our partners for that which like anything there's always you know there's a learning curve so getting familiar with i'll say the the type of quality of a car uh, that someone in the u.s has can be very different to what someone in europe has in spain belgium the uk are like there's just everyone has their own mental state of like a level of quality to a car and like Hey, yeah, there's no rust, but you know, it's been welded. Okay. Well, what was welded? What's the patch job look like? Because the way that someone in the U S would handle a repair can be different than the way someone in the UK handles a quick repair. You know, there's just, there's different questions and things to navigate to make sure again, like the car is exactly what it is just because, you know, the costs associated with it and the time. So saying a lot of obviously a lot of your customers are going to be US based, but you'll also have the customers on this side of things here who might be selling the car out towards the States. What kind of criteria with the 25 year rule coming back into it? Obviously, it has to be 25 years beyond its original manufacture date. But where do you lie then on modifications, you know, engine swaps, new suspension wheels? Does that kind of thing come into it or is that a free market on it? Yeah. So yes and no um so wheels suspension like all that like none of that really matters to be honest um i mean it could it could be straight piped like full-blown race car or whatever i mean the thing that the the couple factors that come into play is obviously like if it's on coilovers like the vehicle's got to be raised up 
for export. Yeah. Fair um, enough. you know, it's going to be driving on and off the boat. Like we don't want damage to happen. Plus getting it on and off a, a truck. Um, but engines is where we have to obviously watch the line. So obviously the reason for like the 25 year role for the U S is being EPA and DOT exempt. Yeah. So that's what, again, the U S runs off of for an engine swap. So say for, you know, say your car with the VR six swapped into it, um, that engine swap would just have to be from a car that's 21 years old. Um, we would need a little bit of documentation from that swap to submit to the EPA for that vehicle to be approved. Okay. So it's fairly straightforward then. So it's, <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's so you could have something, say you were importing something that from 1996, you could have a 20 valve turbo in it from 1999, essentially. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you could have, you know, I'll, I generally say like, yeah, you could have like a Mark four engine swap in your Mark three, Mark two, Mark one, or, you know, whatever the car is. So that way you're EPA compliant as well, obviously like the car is old enough. So you're DOT compliant, but that's, that's the big thing. Um, you know, we brought in a handful of cars that have been swapped EPA approved and we're good to go. That's pretty um, good. Yeah. So the, the DOT thing is like your crash structure, that kind of thing. And then the EPA obviously exactly. is your emissions. Yep. You got it, man. So yeah, the, the DOT stuff is all crash testing and everything else. Um, and then EPA is emissions stuff. So just meeting the emissions standard within the U S so you talk there as well about, you know, people approach you guys looking cars, you go out and like, if they find a car they want, you guys can go and inspect it. Or if they approach you and say, I want a Mark three, you guys go look for it. Is there, like, do you guys bring stuff in for stock, you know, to hold for yourselves and then sell on? Or is that, you know, is that a separate thing you don't do? Yeah. So we've got basically like three, three different arms to open air imports. The first is, you know, we have cars within invent like inventory, if you will. Um, our inventory um, until we grow and scale or we get some crazy investor on, um, we can, you know, you can only sell a certain amount of cars in the U.S. before you have to become a dealership. Oh, right. So, right. yeah. So, um, you know, the way we're structured is, you know, we have cars in the U.K. We have cars in Europe with our partners that then go over the car, detail it, clean it up, photograph it, give us the info, and then we, you know, list it on our page. So that way we're able to provide, you know, those cars to people in the U.S. And that that works quite well. Um, I mean, we've gotten so busy where, well, we've also moved most of our inventory that we had. So really it's just been, which is, it's great, but like we've just been doing customer cars. Um, and that's, uh, you know, kind of my ultimate goal is just to help move customer cars. Um, just so we're not having to kind of go through that, that holding period or have really, you know, have like the business side of it to have the money out on those cars on the process, just, you know, kind of waiting for it to sell. So yeah. the second arm of it is, you know, as a client, like, Hey, I found a car I want to have imported. Cool. And that, that kind of ties back into like our new website we're launching is like, you can submit that link along with any other information to the vehicle, like where, where you're located. So we can plan to ship to a port near you. Um, or you can, you know, again, pick it up from us in Maryland or Virginia. Um, and, you know, easily dial in like, Hey, here's like your all in landed costs on this vehicle at this sale price. Um, you know, our team can go and view and inspect the vehicle prior or X amount, if you would like, before you commit to the car. And then we can just kind of 
bring it all together from there. The kind of the next arm and last arm to it is, you know, if you want a vehicle sourced. And this is really where like it gets time consuming. And we've been trying to really navigate this, I'll say easily. You know, we have a basically a massive list of like cars people are looking for. We've got alerts set up on it. And basically when the right one comes up, we shoot it over to our, you know, clients say, hey man, this, you know, this came up. Are you still interested? And this is where it's like, oh yeah, no, I went and bought another car, which sucks because then we wasted all that time, just all that time and effort into just waiting, looking and hunting for it. Or, you know, they're, you know, we don't get a response back and kind of just play that game. So it's been a little tricky to navigate that. So again, with the new website coming out, like if there's a vehicle you're looking for, you'll be able to create an account with in, in OAI. You can basically submit like the vehicle you're looking for and anything, any other details. So we can figure out like, do you want left-hand drive or right-hand drive? Cool. You want a, you want a five-door Mark three. What engine do you want? Do you want manual? Do you want automatic? Like what's your budget? So that way we can figure in and see like, Hey, you know, this is what you're looking for all in landed, you know, it's a, either a little over budget or, Hey, this one's under budget. Like, do you want to, mo- do you want to move forward on it? So we can just, again, kind of streamline that side of it. It sounds like a process that you can kind of tailor to them, to the customer, you know, everyone's going to have individual wants and needs and they can pick or choose whatever they want you to do for them, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, within reason, I mean, there's, there's only a numbered amount of cars out there. So when things are, I'll say out of reason, I mean, we, we try to be straight shooters on everything and say, Hey man, like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Like no, no freaking way. You're going to find that specific setup. Like <clears throat> I always get asked, Hey, I want a Mark three right-hand drive, uh, estate with a VR six in it. Yeah. Good luck <laughs> with that. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. Me too, man. They exist, but there's maybe only a handful of them. Just, you know, they typically have just the smaller engines, the, the 1.4s, the 1.8s, the two liters, the TDIs. It's a family car. Um, it's a load lugger. It's not for tearing it, up the streets. Exactly. Exactly. And then that's what those cars were designed for. They were a family car, like a work car. And even like in Europe, they were taxis in some countries, yep. um, which, which is cool. But yeah, you know, just trying to like educate and obviously also set the correct standard of like, hey man, like if you want a VR6 on a right-hand drive estate, there's... Hey, there's not a lot of right-hand drive estates left. Yeah. Um, and you know, you'll need to get a gas one with a small engine in it and then swap it in the U S is always our recommendation on that. Um, just again, just to keep things easy, but also get like, Hey, get, get a good condition. One runs drives. Here's good bones, you know, do what you want with it now. Yeah. Um, have a good base to work off. Yeah, exactly. Or even, you know, hey, like I want Mark II Golf Country. Okay, cool. Yeah, we can help with that. What's your budget? Because the budget on those is like what they resale for, like what they resell for in the US is kind of what they're already worth in Europe. (laughs) Yeah, you may as well Um, buy one locally. Yeah, I mean, and that's if you can find one because, you know, we didn't, you know, the US, we got gypped on those too. Like we didn't get the rallies. We didn't get the countries. um, We didn't get polos the mark three estates um i mean there's just a bunch of stuff we did not get that the rest of the world did yeah it's funny because like polos and stuff here polos i always look as well not for me in particular because i've had one for a lifetime now i think it's been off the road longer than i've actually knew for more than (laughs) half the time i've owned it but um they're always seen as like a starter car so like 
it's the, the first car and then it's through to the side and nobody really wants them beyond that and then i see guys huh. in the states going crazy for them and i'm like this is mental no i can, I can understand that because i love them but it's a very <laughs> niche thing and then you have these like yeah guys and like nevada driving one and i'm just like that's so weird to see oh yeah yeah oh, i can't remember his name is um, it uh, i can actually remember his vortex oh. name it's uh it's a pineapple gti uh i'm friends with him on facebook and Me i can't remember. no uh his name on instagram is like is it rusty something uh, i'm trying to remember yeah, yeah he's drive me so mad. He's, yeah so he he does something kind of cool he actually he exports a lot of cars to the netherlands um yes because he's big into talk. american muscle and that kind of thing in need or like yeah. older like 50s 60s cars yeah he was telling me that his buddy over in the netherlands like got him that and shipped it to him just kind of like for fun or maybe he wanted it i don't know but um yeah i mean it's they're cool cars you know again we didn't get them in the u.s so whether it's left-hand drive or right-hand drive like we didn't get polo six like we didn't get polos yeah so again there's probably only a handful of them here and you know the nice thing is like they are like you said they're a beginner like they're a first car for most people so Mm -hmm. they're typically well the ones i've seen are typically you know they're a little little beat up because of that but there's some good ones out there i mean the ones we post are like typically super low mileage good clean all original like one owners um which is great um the funny thing is i always look at them too it's kind of more morbid side of it but say they're a first car or a last car so it's usually find one tucked away in a garage somewhere and someone's died and it's been left with uh, like fifty thousand miles because all they did was like drive down to the shop twice a week in it yeah <laughs> that, that's the one you want to buy you don't want the young guy's car yeah yeah no i don't want the young guy's car that's like ragged it out and grind second and everything else yeah um <laughs> that, you want the but, old guy's car yeah yeah i want the old you know i want the old timer's car um but the, you know they're cool again they're just neat they're quirky they're they're on a similar platform to the mark threes um yeah parts for them and, are pretty accessible yeah and i mean like my Mark three, I did a polo rear stub axle conversion because yeah. it uses Same that better rear wheel bearing. Yeah. It's like um, a Mark four style one. Yeah, dude. It's freaking amazing to swap over. Cause like, again, we didn't get those. So no one really knew about them. Um, so like those little conversions are freaking amazing to have instead of like the crappy rear ones where like you got to pack them together and everything. And um, they, because you know, more, depending on how you have your car set up, like you got to replace them every year or every two years. Yeah. They'll take a lot um, more abuse and they're a lot easier changed. Yeah. Oh yeah. And like, yeah, I mean the polo ones, like they, they probably won't have to replace it for what, five years, six years, seven years, yep. maybe eight. Like, I mean, I can get a lot more life out of it. Plus like on my, on my five door Mark three, I can also convert from drums to having like disc and pads on the back. Yeah. So, that was a that was an that was a huge bonus. That, that's the fun with these cars too, and it, it kind of goes for all cars like Hondas, you know, like Vauxhalls we get here too. A lot of it's like Lego, especially the older stuff, and it's all plug and play. And if you yeah. work out what fits with that, what fits with what, it's so much fun to go. Yeah, I can do this with OEM parts. <clears throat> yeah, I and that's that's what I love about Mark Threes is like, dude, it's just Legos, man, and they made them for so long that. You know, there's like any option you want to do, 
you can. I like, I mean, even getting part, you know, for like the US guys, like getting stuff from Europe, like getting the Mark III Recaros, getting the different edition seats, like Joker seats or the movie or, you know, whatever. I mean, there's just cool stuff that you guys got that we didn't, that obviously we want, but then kind of, ma- again, making the car your own, um, you know, doing a, a golf swap, golf front end swap or a, or a Jetta front end swap. Then you get into like, all right, do you want to go into the ABT style or whatever? Like you can fully just kind of make a car yours, um, which I think is why I've just always grasped these so so well. Yeah, I kind of fell in with mine. I was driving a Mark II at the time, and it was it was literally on its last legs. And my dad went and bought a motorbike, and he said to me, he came back off that he had beat this guy down so badly on the price. And he came back and he says, do you know anyone looking at Mark III GTI? I was like, no, had no interest. And he says, I knew rightly, he was sort of pushing me towards it. And he he says, yeah, he wants £400 for it. I was like, no, it had 80,000 miles, um, was like super clean. It had bad lacquer peel, but other than that, the interior was immaculate. And he sort of badgered me into going to see it. And then I come home with it and I just totally <laughs> fell in love with him. But that's yeah. like Mark 1s, Mark 2s, Hondas, fucking Vauxhalls, you name it. If you can find what works. And that's the beauty. I think a lot of a lot of our listeners are into the older cars as well. And that's the beauty about yeah. those older cars. Everything's so simple. It's just fun to work on. Oh, yeah. And I mean, yeah, they're pretty straightforward to work on. You're not dealing with a ton of electronics. Like, I think the... Obviously, when you get into the Mark IVs, which aren't eligible yet, but like the Mark IVs, there's kind of that next level of, I'll just say, electrical stuff you have to deal with. Where like Mark III's, I think, have that nice like last blend of like yeah. a little bit of modern, like a touch of modern into it, but still very easy to handle and work on. I mean, Mark ones, twos. I mean, they're freaking great cars. Canvas, I think, was the killer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean, I. To me personally, like I just, I love the Mark III platform. You know, the Golf I have, like I still have. It was the very first car I bought back in high school. Or yeah, yeah, back in high school. So, I mean, I've had it, gosh, I think now 16 years, going on 17 years. It's a nice sentimental attachment to it. Yeah. So, and that's, you know, a lot of people keep asking like, hey, when's your car going to be done? And I like, I want it back. Like, I can't wait to get it back and start working on it um, and enjoying it again. But I'm also not in a rush because it's like I want to do it once. Like yeah. I don't want to have to build this car again in like another five or ten years. Like I want this to be like cool. This should hold me over for twenty five some years. Yeah, to your old um, guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. Until I'm an old guy and I'm you know still cruising around. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. Um, yeah, man. I mean, they're they're just fun. Obviously, I think we talked about this earlier as well, was that with the important cars, you you see so much coming in and you're seeing stuff that you guys didn't get and the obscure things. Is there anything in particular kind of jumped out at you, like a favorite car that you've brought in before or, you know, anything you really particularly want to bring in? Oh, man. Um, I don't know. I've got, so I've had this weird, like I, I told you earlier, I've had this weird itch for like a JDM car and I don't know why. Yeah. I think I just went... I want to have something rear wheel drive just for a small period of time. And as most people know, like I don't keep cars very long, you know, I'll drive it and enjoy it. And when the time comes or someone makes me an offer on a car, like I generally let it go. I, I, I think I'm in the boat with most people, but I really want a skyline. Um, <laughs> just, it's, it's just a bucket list car. Like I just want to, like, I just want to have one for a while, drive it, enjoy it, sell it, 
and then get into something else, which is kind of the cool part that I've been able to get into with open air imports is like owning your own business is fun, but at the end of the day, like it's a business. Yeah, you know, still you has have to run to like, make money. Yeah, it still has to run and make make a little bit of money, but it's fun, man. Like I can do that. Like I can get it. Like I can sit in different cars and experience them and the the weird quirkiness of them. So yeah, I definitely think, I mean, a Skyline's in my future, but I mean, I would love to have an Audi S2 or an RS2 Avant. We actually are importing one. It's literally on the boat now um, for a customer here in the US. It's an Audi S2 Avant right-hand drive out of the UK and it's, it's clean. I mean, the guy who had like the previous owner of this thing took such good care of it. I mean, he like stripped the engine all the way down, fully rebuilt it. Like he had the interior out fully, like cleaned it up. Like the car, like our client did so good finding this car. And I'm so happy that we were able to be the ones to bring this in. Um, And also just confirm like and inspect the car prior, you know, it's the S2 Avants are just awesome. We didn't get them here again. I would love to have one of those. I love the wagons. You know, I've currently got uh, a left-hand drive Mark III synchro variant with the 2.9 liter in it, Climatronic from the Czech Republic. Uh And that thing, oh man, like I love this car. Um, It's a great cruiser. I mean, I think a lot of the cars I've wanted, I've had or I now have. So I... I don't know what else I would want. I mean, the unobtainium stuff would be like getting a Volkswagen Armorack yep. pickup truck here, but like we're you're we are fifteen a, years off or more. Oh my god, yeah. We we're a long ways out from being able to get those. Um I don't know. I mean, I think like a right hand drive caddy, like mark like Mark One Caddy truck That'd would be, be nice, cool. Yeah. Or even the um the mark like I think it, I think you guys consider it like a Mark II platform of the Caddy truck. Oh um, yeah, like a Seat Inca or the Caddy, yeah, the first yeah. of the Caddy vans. Yeah, yeah, or the yeah the Caddy vans. Like so one of those would just be cool to have. Just be again, we didn't get it here. Um, they're quirky, they're cool, they're different. I think like, I mean, plus like it would just be fun to have. There were a few of those um, like heavily modified. A few friends, like two different guys, I can think of modified those about well maybe 10 eight ten years ago oh, wow. really nice examples you can fit like say at cordoba front bumpers and wing mirrors so that the wing mirrors look yeah. more like car mirrors the bumpers look more like less commercial kind of thing um you can yeah. make them look really really nice and comfortable and you still have a practical van you can kind of throw wheels and tools into the back of yeah like it's it's a show runner and it's a daily driver like work car yeah um i definitely see the fun there for that for sure um i think that's also what makes like i mean to me that's what makes a car like when you build a car like that's what makes it fun like when you're out driving and enjoying it i mean no disrespect to like the trailer queens but like dude i want to drive the shit out of my car like when it's back together and running like i want to enjoy this thing i mean i want to i want to drive it several states away for shows and events and just like have that experience yeah i i can get so, that like my own cars um like i said to you before i do all the work myself along with lee and my friends and i kind of always wonder is it because i have kind of well a lot more time but maybe less money invested in a car because of that that mm-hmm. i don't mind driving it as much and i've always kind of been in the state of mind that no matter what i do to a car or how impractical i make it or how pristine it is i'll always drive it and enjoy it but i can totally get you on that 
like Lee there, uh, she bought a Mark 1 Jetta. It's a 2.1 mm-hmm. 16 valve in it, twin 45 carbs. It's a bit rough around the edges, but it cleans up really well. And I don't think the two of us have had as much fun driving a car in so long. So just get into it and thrash the shit out of it. And it's just so yeah. fun. You know, and, like we went away like last weekend down, we done like 200 mile round trip to a show and it was just so enjoyable. All back roads and like kind of B roads you can really hammer the car on. And that's that's as much fun to me as being at a show. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, that's to me, that's where it's fun, where you can just get out and drive and enjoy it and if you, you know? damage it you uh, fix I mean, it yeah i mean if something happens it's like, dude, dude, dude shit happens yeah you can always <laughs> fix it i mean that's kind of the that's the great part about a lot about cars like you can always just fix it man um and if you can and then like the worst happens well now you can either rebuild into something really cool or get into something different yeah it's never the so, end of the world yeah exactly like it sucks at that time and we don't like to see people lose their cars like we've We've tried to help out people in the U.S. that like, or actually even people in the U.K. Like, if they like something happened to their car and we have one in inventory or like, there's I'll say like a less expensive one available. Like, we've offered to bring in a car for that person, like next to cost, like whatever, like whatever, like the bare bone cost is of getting it, just to like try and help an enthusiast out. Yeah, give back um, to the the scene, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's. I mean, the whole reason I got into this again was just like there was a hole in it. Like there's all these importers bringing over JDM cars from Japan and really no one was, well, no one was doing what we we are doing now, bringing over Euro spec cars from the UK, from Europe. Um, I mean, we even, we have a, we're able to get cars out of Spain. Like we have a, a, a teammate there now, um, Australia, we can do cars out of Japan. We actually imported cars from Canada um, and Mexico. So there's not a whole lot that's like off the table that we can't do. It's just, you know, we've been able to, you know, kind of leverage ourselves in the correct position. That's and nice. I think But that's also yeah, down to hard work too. Yeah, I mean it's dude, it's, it's seven days a week. I mean, it's it's hard to shut off mentally some you know, some days. Like it's just when you're when you're busy, it's amazing. And I'm sure it's not a nine to five either, considering you have partners all around the world in different time zones. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's some days I'm up at five, there's, you know, six o'clock, usually up around six 30 every day. Um, just to be able to catch up from messages from, you know, our Euro partners, um, and help answer these messages. Hey, cool. Like a vehicle was inspected. Like, Hey, here's, here's all the information you need. Just, you know, playing catch up on it. But yeah, I mean, it's almost a 24 hour gig. Although like I've tried to really structure some like, Hey, this is when I'm going to handle stuff. And then, you know, have my work-life balance yeah you have um, to have something is, at some point yeah and that's we've gotten to that point which also with that like the website relaunch like i think that's gonna it's gonna allow me to it's gonna allow us to grow and scale and ship and do more cars and get cars to enthusiasts um which is what we're all about like me and my me and my business partner mike brash like we're both just car guys. I'm more on the Volkswagen side. He's on like the BMW side. And that's just kind of where, where it's gelled. You know, we just like cars. We want to get cool ones here for people that want them. And, you know, the collectors, the enthusiasts that want the, the Euro spec right-hand drive or like an E36 touring or like an M3, just whatever it is. Like we want to help you get it here. 
And where's like you were saying you have partners all around, you've like Japan, Australia. I was surprised at Australia. Um, I can't imagine really what comes out of Australia, but like <laughs> what, um, apart from dingoes and this other stereotypes, but uh, where's the most obscure place you've got something from, you know, or was there somewhere you went, like, I can't believe I got a car from there? Yeah, I mean, I think so far, like the weirdest car I've been able to get, I mean, would, would probably be my Synchro out of the Czech Republic, just because it was just, it was it was just a, a little bit of a lengthier process. There was more involved in it logistically. I mean, maybe that and um, the Gulf country that came out of Serbia. Those two have definitely been like the two weird ones, um, just country-wise. But like Australia is fairly, you know, outside of time zone difference because it's a 12-hour difference between uh, where I am and Australia. Yeah. I mean, that's really like the two weird ones for sure. Just navigating just you know, different language barriers and export filings and things like that. So it's done correctly and done right once. Um, you know, we like to just dial it in and make sure everything's just super easy and smooth. Um, Brazil is probably the weirdest one. Oh, right. Um, yeah. You wouldn't, you wouldn't think it's like that hard, but like the thing people don't understand, like Brazil, you can only ship out via container. There are, very limited row row so roll on roll off options uh -huh. and apparently those cars just get completely banged up and just not well handled yeah um so containers the only option out of brazil and those again container costs have jumped up um shipping a car in a container from brazil is like i'll say it starts at six thousand dollars and goes up and it's a shared container even at that cost just for your car that's crazy um and that's the thing, like people don't understand that, like, dude, that's that's just the container costs. Then you have your USA side of things. And if customs decides to pull that container, then there's a a possible charge of twenty one hundred USD to twenty four hundred USD for an exam fee. There's a lot that goes into it. Like we've done a couple Savieros, um, we've brought over a Parati for a collector, but you know, Brazil cars, it's like, hey, you have to really want that car and Get the deep understand pockets. that. Yeah, and well, just understand that, like, hey, the bulk of the cost is going to be on the shipping. Yeah, like, I mean, you can buy a nice, good, clean, you know, car down there for a couple thousand dollars, but then, yeah, the the bulk of it's going to be on that shipping side. So again, it's just the way it goes, man. You know, that's we're we're here to help kind of navigate those waters and just make it easy. And you know, all the cars have marine insurance on them, so if something did happen to the car or that's to covered. the vessel, like like if the vessel sunk. Um, like <laughs> worst you're case covered scenario. on that. Yeah. Yeah. Worst case scenario, they hit an iceberg. <laughs> uh, you know, you're, you're able to be covered there. Very good. So have you ever brought any like French cars in? You talked about JDM, you know, have you brought in any like Peugeot's like 106 rallies, that kind of thing? You know, they're very popular here. Is there a market for that in the States? Yeah. You know, we haven't brought, oh, I'm trying to think. I don't, I really don't think we've brought over any French cars. Those are some, um, they build some fun cars. Yeah, no, they definitely do. Funny enough, we have a client that's wanting uh, a Peugeot 205. Yep. But again, we have to dial in a little more of like, what are the specifics that you want? Like, we don't want to just spend all this time searching. Like, we want to look for exactly what you want. So we're not, you know wasting anyone's time because I don't want to give you a, the wrong example. But like, yeah, I'm hoping we can get a Peugeot going soon another cool quirky little cars man that's pretty cool um no it's interesting because like 
I, we have a friend locally here, Jim, and he's brought a lot of stuff over more for himself. Um, he, like mm-hmm. myself, he has friends in the States and he would bring stuff over. And then I think I, back in the early days of bring a trailer, he would have flogged it on then. But it, he says it's kind of like you pull up to, say, get fuel somewhere and you suddenly you have like five people talking to you because they're like, what's this car? Is it safe on the road? You know, they don't know what it is or it's just totally foreign to them. Well, obviously mm-hmm. it is foreign, but he says it's just the experience of it, of having something there that's not supposed to be there is just incredible. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree, man. <clears throat> Excuse me, I think I'm losing my voice. This is the most I've had to talk in a while. Um, <laughs> as long as it's not COVID. <laughs> yeah, as long as it's not COVID. Nah, I mean, should be good there. Um, uh, we've all had it now. <laughs> yeah, oh, dude, I'm I'm positive. I mean, there's been a time that we've that we've all already had it yeah it's Um, crazy yeah but uh, you were saying there about the cars getting banged up you know on roll on roll off out of brazil back in uh, late 90s early 2000s and even still jdm imports into ireland was insane like cars were coming out and even at this end you were buying them cheap never mind what they were buying them for over there and like the JDM scene in the South, especially, is absolutely insane. But there was always that kind of people talked about if there was anything in the cars or rare parts, a lot of them would it get stolen on the on on the ships, kind of thing. I suppose it was a case of mm-hmm. because it was such a common thing to be important. Guys working on the ships were kind of knowing what to look for, you know, that kind of thing. So what you're saying there about Brazil and stuff getting damaged or stolen or wrecked totally makes sense there was a lot of stuff the guys brought over and were really really clean but you also have that side of it yeah i suppose that's where you guys step in and have that inspection process you can go yep this thing you know my friend in the uk spain wherever has checked it over and says yeah this thing's top condition or it is as described yeah again i mean you kind of hit it dead on i mean that's where our you know our uk and our euro partner euro partners really come in saying hey you know whether you found the car or we found the car, you want to, you want to have it inspected before you commit to buying it. Um, it's just whatever the cost is for like their time and fuel to go do that. And then, yeah, I mean, they'll, you know, get a little write up of like, Hey, here's what the car, like what the car is. Here's the areas of notice. Like um, here's a shit ton of photos. Um, <laughs> yeah. Try and give you so as much information way- as possible. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, try to just give you as much information as possible. So again, you can decide, you want to move forward on this or not? And I mean, that's what we also ask from people that want to sell their cars, you know, Hey, give us, you know, 10 good photos to post, give us, you know, the vehicle info so we can put something together and then, you know, additional photos because we know we'll need those. And even then on those cars, we have our team view and inspect them before the sale process finalizes just that way. Again, like, Hey, here's the full vehicle. Here's the description. So you know what you're getting. Um, is the biggest thing to try and stress. And do you ever find, like, say you approach people, say they have the car for sale locally, one of your or one of your customers says, yeah, I want that, you approach them. Do they ever get weird about, you know, do they think it's a scam that you're approaching them from a different country or do they get antsy about it or do they think, oh, this is worth more and jack the price or is it usually straightforward for you guys? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's pretty straightforward. That's um, good. I mean, I think, uh, again, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate to have at least, I feel like I've developed a good standing in the community and just that relationship um, where, I mean, people offer us us their car all the time. Um, but, you know, cars that we source and find, you know, um, 
but generally just try to keep it nice and simple. And later, probably later in the stage, you know, we'll just be conversating. And if you notice that I'm in the U.S., they'll be like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I, I import cars. Um, you know, here's how it works. You know, we'll, you know, either our, our team member will pay you when they collect the vehicle and just try to keep it nice and easy. So, yeah. That's that's good. It's, I suppose it's that kind of thing. Now the world's a much smaller place. I think social media has a big thing to play in that too. You know, you can access people. You can go like if you Google search your name or Facebook, it'll come up. There's yeah. a, a face to the name kind of thing, and it kind of makes puts people at ease. Is one thing. Yeah, exactly. And I think again, just having that name to the face, and even just like you know, having a legit company. Like we are an LLC. Like we are a properly set. I'll say properly set up and established company in the u.s you know we're not just like joe schmo who's trying to get in yeah you know we have a nice reputation we've imported a do we've imported a shit ton of cars um <laughs> that's good to hear we yeah i mean we done last year we did about 50 cars shit, that's um that's impressive by, by april of this year we had past 50 cars whoa i don't even, i haven't even counted how many we've done i mean we're probably closer to that 80 90 range um we also imp like so we do obviously we do private imports for our clients and ourselves um but we also import cars for companies to, okay right so for them to basically like they have dealerships for them to turn around and sell so those cars like we obviously we don't post about we keep that very quiet and private because that's business to business they're right yeah i mean you know the private the, the other stuff we do um obviously we post um so if you see us not posting, it's because we're shipping a bunch of other cars. Um, <laughs> or it's just, you know, we've got a bunch of stuff going on and we're working on dialing post-worthy cars. Um, you know, we also try to be a little strategic about how we push out content and vehicles. Like we generally won't mention a vehicle until it's delivered to port and on the boat. Okay, fair um, enough, yeah. Just, just to keep you know, the buyer protected to keep us protected, our partners as well, uh, you know, just try to keep things modest and quiet <laughs> uh, and then kind of hype it up. I'm like, hey, this badass, you know, Audi S2 Avant's on its way to the US. That's cool. That's cool. And if anybody wants to keep up with you guys or find, obviously, get in touch for important or even just follow you on social media and see what you're important working to find you guys. Yeah, um, I mean, Facebook, Instagram, you know, open air imports and on Instagram, it's open dot air dot imports, follow the page, uh, if you, you know, there's something you're looking for, drop us a message, also be looking for some people to kind of help beta test our relaunch of the new site with the client portal and kind of the different ways we can go about navigating sourcing a car or bringing one in for you. So yeah, there's, there's going to be some, some cool ways to bring this together, get in touch with us a little easier, I'd say. And have you got a link for the uh, website then? Yeah. The website's just www.openairimports.com. Yeah. So just nice and easy there, but yeah, give us a follow, you know, help us grow, share our page, tag, send some people our way. I will, leave you with this and we do try to entice some people abroad you know if you do have a car that you want to sell that's usa eligible um send us a message you know give us some good vehicle info and, and detailed photos um we'd love to help you move it and get it in the hands of another enthusiast here but also you know if you find cool cars send it my way um, you know if that vehicle like we're able to find a buyer for that car i generally do a little kickback to that person 
that sent me the vehicle. So that's something else, you know, we try to do to kind of give back as well to anyone that's like, oh, hey, this could be a cool one for, you know, open air imports. I might know of one myself there. I must talk to you after this. Send it to me. <laughs> Send it to me, man. <laughs> Very good. Well, Nick, as I say, we talked about the 25-year rule before in this podcast a number of times. So it's nice to get info from someone in the industry that actually can tell us exactly what it is about. So I really appreciate that. And it's also fantastic to hear, like, we try and bring people on from the car industry, from the modified side of things, and they kind of obscure, which this really falls under, because as you, you say there's not a whole lot of people doing this as a full-time job, so it's cool to hear some of the interesting stories behind it. So thanks very much for coming on join us. No, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, definitely keep me in mind for uh, the future. Definitely would love to get back on, talk cars, hear a little bit more about you know what you guys have going on. Fantastic. Thank you. Cool, man. Well, hey, Connor, thank you, man. Have a great evening, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. You too. Bye. Kick-ass, man. See you. So a big thank you to Niall speaking to us and Nick Berry. Bit of a different format this week, but I hope you like it. Um, we're on tour, so, you know, these yeah, things happen. There will be a lot of this, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. As there's more shows opened up, we plan to do more of this and talk to the people in the car community more, basically. Yeah. We've spotted a few listeners out and about in the wild today, which is nice. We have, yeah. As Dara of the 350Z there. And I've actually seen a few I haven't got talking to, but no doubt I will. I do like to talk, as everyone knows. And then Stephen was here from uh, Jim Hat. Oh, Grid. yes, I, yes, yep, who had seen my hat on. Yep. That so. silver wagon's floating around. He seen is. him? Old uh, Drake himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so thanks very much for listening, folks. And I think we'll just wrap it up there. That's it, yeah. Uh, you can catch us on our social medias. It's at Reload Podcast collectively. And then individually, it's. At VW Boy. At Maxwell House 46. And at Connor McCann. And we'll catch you next time. Cheers, Cheers folks. Cheers, folks. Bye bye. Bye.